0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's up, Cheese Kingdom? Welcome to the beautiful. Holiday Distillery up here in Weston, Missouri. We are going to do a little 2022 NFL Draft recap for the Kansas City Chiefs as if the hours upon hours of content that we've already been putting out over the past few days wasn't enough. We're going to go over over the next 40, 45 minutes, go through the 10 draft picks that have been added to the Chiefs roster based on this, and I've got my guy Kent Swanson up here, and we have got some nice drinks that have been made thanks to the brand new coming out on may 21st the ben holiday bourbon that is another reason that we are up here at holiday distillery they are taking care of us they've been taking care of us since the moment we launched kc sports network we appreciate everything for them and kent i know you appreciate a good bourbon
2: i do appreciate a a good bourbon and i appreciate these two cocktails so you've got the bourbon smash Mm. it's a cinnamon honey simple syrup lemon juice Bourbon, mint, and it's the Ben Holiday bourbon, obviously. Uh, I just got a, I got an old-fashioned with a little, couple couple bitters, a little simple syrup uh, made out of brown sugar, and the Ben Holiday bourbon. And I'm just telling you, it's it's absolutely delicious. I can't wait for everybody else to get a chance to try this uh, this bourbon because, uh, yeah, it's, it's so good. Every time we've had it, we had it, you know, six months ago, got a little sample mm-hmm. of it as well. Every time. just It's one of the best cocktails I've, ever, I've had every time I come out here.
1: Yeah, they've been waiting for years. I think it's seven years. We've taken the tour several times uh, where they go through the whole process of how they make the bourbon. The fact that all of it is made from right around here. It's bottled, bonded. Like This is a Kansas City bourbon for Kansas City people. It's a worldwide company, but the fact that it's based here in Kansas City and they have the grounds like they do here, if you haven't made it up, I strongly recommend coming up, doing the tour, hanging out down here at the event center. It's absolutely gorgeous.
2: I, I can't imagine... Like, honestly, I can't imagine being in a better place to kind of just celebrate this this weekend and all the work that we've done. Like, it's just so peaceful out here. We have birds chirping, sitting outside in this little patio area, you know, you got a big bottled uh, bonded warehouse right behind us where all the bourbons being stored i mean come on this is this is so cool you know what's going to make this even cooler what going DJ? through the 10 draft picks that the Chiefs <laughs> picked up because
1: this draft we we've been saying and we were leading up to this draft saying that this was going to be one of the defining drafts of not only brett veach's tenure but of patrick mahomes like going through the prime of his career they needed to get and replenish the cupboards with some of the moves they made and a lot it made about tyree kill and and That picking up new assets, and they needed to nail this draft. And granted, these guys haven't stepped on the field yet, but based on all the research and everything that you guys have done, if anybody has been watching the draft coverage, uh, they absolutely nailed this draft.
2: We've spent a lot of time talking about a lot of the guys that are in this draft class over the last two months. There's a lot of receipts we'll probably be retweeting, so you guys can see some of our analysis over the course of the last couple months. Because a lot of the a lot of players that the, the Chiefs selected, high quality. You know, look, the the reality is not every one of these players is going to pan out. I mean, that's just the reality of the NFL draft. I mean, even if you look at some of the most historical draft classes in the history of the NFL, like the 2017 Saints, even a few of those players didn't pan out the way uh, they anticipated. But I think the Chiefs have given themselves phenomenal swings across the board on some really unique talents, some players with some good ability, the kind of profiles that you want to bet on, the kind of players you want to bet on. And, by all indications, the kind of people you want to bet on, too. Yep. I think there's there's a lot to be excited about. We'll get into the details of all these guys, but I think there's there's a lot of reason for optimism here in Kansas City because of the draft prospects the Chiefs were able to secure over the course of the last three days.
1: I get excited, and you guys have kind of saw it behind the scenes, of building a physical, nasty defense full of, we well, don't say headhunters, but guys that, that – love being physical and love setting a tone. You talk about energy givers, coach, Reed talks about all the time, but you've got three of the first four picks or whatever. We're, energy givers and tone setters at each level of the Chiefs defense so let's get into this and we're going to go through the 10 draft picks for the Chiefs and kind of how they fit into the Chiefs roster as it's constructed right now now this could change even within uh, the next week some of those veteran guys that have not signed that were probably waiting till after the draft some of them might be waiting till after OTAs yeah. and some of those veterans who don't want part- to necessarily participate in some of the off-season activities so there still could be some Uh, pieces that are added to this Chiefs roster but as we stand here right now let's start with the Chiefs first pick who they traded up for to number 24 and that is Washington cornerback Trent McDuffie and Kent when you look at the Chiefs cornerback room right now we know that they lost Charvarius Ward over this offseason but they were able to bring in and um, you know a talent like this to an already talented room full of young players that you guys made a point throughout the offseason that this was an area that they haven't put a lot of resources into um, throughout the years, but a really, really good player.
2: Yeah, they, they, they made a big, aggressive movement. and If you've heard us talk in the last couple of weeks, we've kind of been predicting them making a bigger investment than they ever have at the cornerback position. There's some necessity there because of Charvarius Ward's absence. And the Chiefs just got cornerback one. I genuinely think they just got cornerback one in the draft. And I think they were a little bit surprised that he was there. I mean, they, I think they were a little bit, you know, you kind of hear Brett Veach listening to his press conference talking about, you know, going up and getting Trent, Trent McDuffie. There wasn't really – they weren't anticipating this opportunity. And they and they got a guy that I genuinely think steps in from day one and is the best cornerback on this football team, a guy that's going to play a lot of snaps very quickly. Yeah, obviously there's probably going to be some, you know, some learning curves here and there. There's going to be some moments, uh, you know, some rookie moments. But, I mean, this guy's wired the right way. He's got – um, unique physical abilities, and you know, there's a lot of times he's the best player on that Washington football team uh, when you're watching the tape. So uh, I think the Chiefs got a guy that could potentially be the cornerback one for uh, for the future, and 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 very quickly.
1: Yeah, and when you look at the Chiefs cornerback room right now, bringing this up, you have got Rashad Fenton, um, Josh Williams, who we'll get to here in a little bit. They just added um, Luke Barku. Uh, they've got Legereus Sneed. DeAndre Baker, DiCaprio Boodle, Brandon Dandridge, uh, and then um, Jalen Watson, another defensive back that's brought into this room. So Trent McDuffie and I had a chance to talk with Carmen Vitale of the Draft Network um, leading into this draft and unprompted she said that maybe she was foreshadowing something and she knew uh, that the Chiefs liked uh, Trent McDuffie a lot but said that it was her number one favorite player in this draft because of the time that she got to spend with him. I think she brought it up at the NFL Combine. She got a chance to talk with him and get to know him a little bit with what she's doing now at the Draft Network and uh, for somebody that had spent the last couple of months studying all these draft players, of all the players she could have mentioned four days before the draft, that was her favorite, and she's, you know, a Bucks fan, uh, worked for the Bucs for six years. She wanted Trent McDuffie to be there, and she said there's no way he's going to make it to 27, let alone pass the top 15.
2: Well, he, yeah, just well-spoken, thoughtful responses. You could kind of hear him talking to the KC media, and, I mean, I think the football character speaks for itself when you watch him play the game of football. Frees up Legereus Sneed a little bit too. Maybe yep. he can operate along the interior a little bit more, uh, in the slot, you know, where he's had a lot of success. Um, but I think, you know, you know, when the Chiefs are in base, it's gonna be Sneed and McDuffie. Those two guys are gonna be starting week one. I genuinely think that and it kinda like I said, it it can uh, it can free free Lejeune Sneed up a little bit more to play in the slot.
1: Yeah. And the one thing also described about mcduffie for everybody who's watched him is that he's physical he likes to come up and hit the same thing was said about Lajarius need same thing that was said about charverius ward when he was in kansas city was that he wasn't afraid to come up and tackle and that is uh, something that you have to be able to do to play for steve spagnolo and the next guy we know can tackle and that is the Chiefs' second pick who they got at number 30, and that is Purdue edge rusher George Karloftis, a player that we spent a lot of time talking about during the pre-draft process.
2: Yeah, and it's been a unique process from our side with the discussions about George Karloftis because, you know, trying to gauge a valuation on him, and I think we kind of settled. You know, I think you wound up in the top 25 in the KCSN draft guy, but we've had a lot of discourse about, you know, where to slot him. Is he one of those? Is he Should he be clustered with, you know, that – that group of four edge rushers that we kind of identified with, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, Jermaine Johnson, should he kind of be his own tier? And I think he is kind of in his own tier. Um, I think, you know, he may be a little bit of a, a small departure away from those guys. Um, but I think he's, he's better than the next tier. I think he's almost a tier in, in, of, of, of his own. And, you know, you, you get a guy like that down at, at pick 30, I think that's just tremendous value. I, I think that's a really, really strong valuation on him. You're getting a guy with a great motor. You're getting a guy that's going to be able to play a lot of snaps. This team's going to need him to play a lot of snaps. I, I think he slots in immediately yeah. as, as, a, as, a, as a, uh, a high snap count earner, a guy that's going to give you outstanding effort. Mm-hmm. And with all the improvements that the Chiefs made in the draft from the coverage perspective, some of those effort sacks are going to pop in too pretty quick too. Yeah. So, I mean, man, he slots in so well. Uh, and I think he's gonna get a lot of snaps right off the jump.
1: He was a fun player to watch because there's so many different types of skill sets and types of players when you look at Edge Rusher and even within the draft and even within, you know, Chiefs Twitter uh and social media following the types of players that people like. You have those those bendy, super athletic guys that win with speed and win with athleticism. And the trans the transition for those guys I always feel like is more difficult because they don't necessarily face the number of athletic tackles and offensive linemen in college that they do once they get to the NFL, whereas a player like Carl and I think you brought up a great point about that word relentless – that's used to describe him and some of those second efforts, second effort sacks where it's not necessarily a counter move as much as it is. He's got great uh, spatial awareness to what's happening as he's rushing. He can feel where the quarterback is going and what he's trying to do. And those are where the majority of sacks actually come Mm -hmm. in the NFL are the second effort, the the counter move or just being able to read what's happening as you're rushing. If a quarterback steps up, tries to leave the pocket, all of those things. Uh, But, I remember talking about this, and I've shared this story before, talking with Tom Ali about being, you know, at the time, and I, I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it was something like, if you're an edge rusher in the NFL and you're successful 1% of the time on a pressure or a sack or whatever it is, you're one of the best in the league at what you do. And we talk about baseball being a game of failure where you go up there and hit three times out of ten, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. You go one time out of 100, two times out of 100 rushing the passer, you're going to be one of the best in the league at what you do. And so for a player like George Karloftis, where you always see the effort playing through the echo of the whistle, uh, he's a guy that you can peg as a starter. I mean, you could say it right now. He is going to start at day one. Coach Reed said that about both of these players. You know, how quickly are they going to play? And he's like, they're going to start the first round picks. That's what they do. And you look at the rest of the Chiefs roster at edge and, I talked about this a lot because it was something that they had to address. But you've got Frank Clark on one side. How many snaps is he going to get at this point in his career? He's been banged up playing through a lot of different things. But you've got Frank, you've got Karloftis, but you've also got Mike Dana you got Josh Kando, young player from last year. I know you guys have talked about his ceiling and his athleticism, what he might be able to do. And then Jonathan Woodard, Austin Edwards, and Malik Herring fighting for roster spots. And there's still a position where I wouldn't be totally surprised between now and the end of training camp if the Chiefs brought in some sort of veteran.
2: And we haven't talked much about it, but the Chiefs still have a little bit of cap space here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they and, and they might play in the veteran market here. Uh, you know, there's, there's still some players available there, some players available maybe in the secondary too to add some veteran presence there. It could be a fun, uh, again, you look at the totality of the roster in August, probably going to feel pretty good about it.
1: When you look at that pass rushing situation, not that having Frank and then Karloftis isn't great, you add a third guy into that mix that has had some production, that's had some success in the NFL, I think you're going to feel even that much better about what this defense can become. But again, as we go through this draft, there's two guys that are energy givers, physical players at both levels of the defense, and we haven't even got to the two guys uh, that I'm most excited about in this draft on the defensive side, Uh, but... Let's switch to the one offensive player, the third pick for the Chiefs in this draft, wide receiver out of Western Michigan, guy Mel Kuyper called the most underrated player overall, any position, in the entire draft. In Sky Moore, you got to be excited about what Sky Moore can do in this offense.
2: I would have been, I would have been excited if the Chiefs had taken him at pick thirty. I mean, this is a guy that we've we've been really really high on here at KC Sports Network. I mean, we mocked him at pick thirty to the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. And the fact that the Chiefs were able to move back slightly and still uh, be able to acquire a guy like Sky Moore, um, you know, I think the, you know, with with Tyreek Hill's absence, when you talk about fit, this guy makes so much sense. And, and Mike Borgonzi talked a little bit about, um, you know, how Andy Reid really likes guys that can kind of play a lot of different positions, a lot of versatility. You know, they're deviating a little bit more away from that traditional true X type receiver. Sky Moore is a very clear indication of that. He can do a little bit of everything. He can line up all over the field. He can even play a little bit of X, even though he's a smaller guy, and beat some press. But this is a guy with a versatile skill set, a guy that can line up all over the place, uh, and a guy that can win in a lot of different areas. Now he's got the best quarterback in the world throwing to him. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be excited about with Sky Moore.
1: And he knows how to run a slant. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're in a light. Would you watch the film of him? You watch the highlights uh, that we've got of him. You see a lot of what Western Michigan did. And I think that's going to be the most exciting thing when you get to training camp is to see, you know, his route running, his footwork, the way that he can accelerate, the way that he kind of speeds up, slows down. Um, to create that separation where at Western Michigan, they did so many RPO. You guys joked about it. I went and watched. It's like, Holy cow. He really does a lot of the (laughs) bubble screen, uh, short slant stuff that you would see. You know, you saw a lot of what McCole Hardman did Mm -hmm. um, last year for the chiefs, but the other thing, and there wasn't a ton of it from what I saw with the, with the film that I was watching, but you see some of those intermediate routes, his ability to win downfield and high point a ball where it's not just bubble screens. It's not just stuff around the line of scrimmage that Western Michigan did a lot of, but, you know, without studying their entire offense, they took enough shots with him down the field that showed they knew he could do a little bit more than just the stuff around the line of scrimmage. And that's what gets me excited is to see him at training camp uh, in those one-on-one you know, wide receiver DB drills. Uh, I think he's going to absolutely tear it apart uh, when we get there based on what everyone is saying, what you guys have been saying for months. Mm-hmm. And Sky Moore, again, you're looking at the Chiefs wide receiver room right now. you got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who they brought in this offseason. you got McCole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster as the top three guys plugged in there right now. And then you've got Sky Moore, you've got Josh Gordon, Cornell Power. Uh, Cornell Powell who was drafted last year, and then Dereese Fountain, Justin Watson, Garrick Dieter, uh, is gonna get a shot. <laughs> Corey Coleman, Omar Bayless, Gary Jennings, Matthew Sexton, all those guys fighting for a roster spot. And again, another place where there's some veterans out there who may be in a position now where if they can get a good deal, which Brett Veach did a phenomenal job of this offseason, maybe bring another guy into that mix.
2: Yeah, I I think the wide receiver room's looking great. And obviously, you know, losing Tyree Kill, you're not replacing him one of one, but the Chiefs have compiled a lot of different skill sets they're going to help him have area uh, success in a lot of different areas of the field and sky Moore, i think can can present uh just even more value there for for this team because i think he fills in about anywhere you need him i think they're going to find a very clear defined role for him in certain areas of the field and he's going to win he's gonna have a lot of success you mean you talk about the rpo slant game I mean that's that's something tyree kill for instance did a lot of the glance slant rpo even just sim- simply sitting into that kind of role just that is going to be really valuable for this football team in year one. But I think there's just so, so much more that he's capable of doing to fit in and he fits in beautifully with this group that's already sitting there and and who knows what they add beyond this. But I think the fit is perfect right now uh, for where the chiefs roster is at.
1: And the other thing that we're talking about the first three picks for the Chiefs in this draft with Trent McDuffie, the cornerback, George Karloftis, the edge rusher from Purdue, and then Sky Moore at wide receiver, you saw what happened and what's been happening over the last few years with some of the contracts. And we talk about roster composition all the time and positional versatility and all of those things that cornerback, edge rusher, and wide receiver are three of those positions where huge contracts are being given out. And for the Chiefs to go in again into the prime of Patrick Mahomes' career, to have three from a positional financial standpoint to not have to overpay or not have to pay the veteran price to get a starting cornerback in free agency a starting edge rusher in free agency and then wide receiver christian kirk got 37 million dollars guaranteed and they just got sky Moore for what's going to be pennies on the dollar from a contract standpoint uh during that same stretch and that can't be understated of what that's going to mean two years from now three years from now to be able to go maybe spend a lot of money in free agency on a couple of key pieces to try to win that third super Bowl. For Patrick Mahomes at that
2: point, they played the board perfectly to get three players at three key positions of need, uh, and and they navigated it so perfectly. Trades up, trade ups, trade backs. I mean, just just a beautiful negotiation of the board by Brett Veach to start this draft, and it only got better from there.
1: Beautiful. And now let's get into the two my favorite two picks in this draft (laughs) because again we just those three Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, and Sky Moore are going to contribute right away for the chiefs, they're going to be uh, the three guys that are probably talked about most when it comes to this draft uh, as rookies, but for this draft to be considered like an all time and not to be throw words out there right now, like that, but you've already said this is your favorite draft in the Brett V chair. It's not even close. So, not even close. For this draft to be one of those drafts that we look back saying this was the foundation of the prime of Patrick Mahomes' career, I think the next two picks panning out and being as good as we hope they are right now is going to make the difference. Again, McDuffie, Karloftis, Skymore, those guys, they're great players being praised by everybody. I think they were all like top 16 players on Pro Football Focus's board and that you know from an analytic standpoint, the way those guys look at it, this was tremendous value, but Let's start with the the fourth pick that the Chiefs got at number, I believe it was 62 overall in the second round. Brian Cook, the safety out of Cincinnati. His highlights, as we take a look right here, could not be more fun to watch. That is the exact kind of safety that I absolutely love watching play. He is a tone setter. He will come up and he will absolutely hit you. And he, you are going to remember every time that guy comes up and puts his hands on you.
2: Tone setter is the right word. Uh, absolutely for for brian cook and he's a guy that's a sure tackle it's not just that he's going in to try to come in for the kill shot he is a sound secure tackler one of the best tackling safeties one of the best tackling players in this entire class and um you know maybe doesn't have the same kind of physical athletic profile that some of the other guys do um, but super smart football player really assignment sound football player And does his job. You know, we talk about the tackling. Like he's going to arrive with bad intentions, but he's also going to make sure that he does his job when he arrives. And you know, he's a guy that I think raises the floor uh, a little bit of this draft because you know he may not be the most dynamic player, but you're talking about a guy that fits really well into Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. Uh, He can play a lot of snaps very quickly. He can, you know, if there's been some inconsistencies tackling in the back end. Uh, of the secondary this is the opposite this is the antithesis of that this is a guy that's going to more times than not you know make the easy play make the simple play that's really really valuable when you're looking at the totality of that defense when you're looking at the totality of this roster you know making simple plays being good against the run being sound against the run uh, being a sound player being assignment sound all those things have a ton of value when Patrick Mahomes is on the other side of that uh, uh, you know forcing other teams and putting a lot of pressure on other football teams is a very valuable thing when you've got such a unique player uh, leading your offense.
1: I want to ask you specifically about this because there have been points made on social media in that Brian Cook was coming in to take Daniel Sorensen's role, and that it's it it's on paper the same position, but not necessarily from a skill set the same. So, without you know prognosticate as best you can before these guys step on the field, uh, what kind of player? What kind of difference? Um, are they getting in as far as how they could be used
2: yeah i don't know if it's a it's an apples and apples uh, apples to apples comparison with daniel sorensen but what you are getting is a guy um, that can you know he, he can play a little bit in the box if you want he can play a, in, in a too high structure um, you might be able to get away with playing him in the middle field a little bit um, but from a perspective of you know Daniel Sorensen was very trusted by Steve Spagnuolo because he was going to do what he was asked to do. He was going to stay assignment sound. I think there are some characteristics from a football character perspective that are very similar between these two players. They're not the identical, you know, they're not identical players, and they weren't um, utilized the exact same way. But I think you know Steve Spagnuolo is going to come to trust Brian Cook very quickly, maybe even as early as this year. And I think that's a very valuable asset, especially considering how secure and, and sound of a player he is.
1: And he joins a safety room that we saw during free agency, picking up Justin Reed, giving him a nice deal um, after his career with the Houston Texans, and then Dion Bush coming Mm -hmm. over as another veteran who's got some experience coming over from the Chicago Bears, and then obviously joining Juan Thornhill, and then obviously Brian Cook who just. Who and, we're talking about, and, and then Devin Key, Zane Anderson, and then Nazi Johnson, who we'll get to in a minute.
2: And special teams upside for Brian Cook as well, raising yeah. the floor of your special teams. And I think the the Chiefs even talked about that in their press conferences this week. Brian Cook and the guy we're about to talk about also raising the floor on special teams
1: but again you've got an enforcer and a guy that just you're going again you're going to remember and if you're a receiver in the AFC West or you're a tight end coming across the middle he's going to let you know that he's there if he's out on the field mm-hmm. based on what we saw in college and hopefully you see that transition Uh, And again, another point to make is as much as we're talking about this draft class being special, those 10 guys in this draft class are all going to be able to go to rookie minicamp over the next couple of weeks, whenever that is for the Chiefs, and they're going to sit in a room together and they're going to look at each other saying, we have a chance to be a part of something really, really Mm -hmm. special and be a key Mm -hmm. reason the, the foundation of this team and the success that we've seen in this golden age of Chiefs football that we are in the middle of right now these guys are going mm-hmm. to be a huge part of continuing that over the next five to seven to ten years and again the weekend couldn't have gone better Brian Cook a player that we're really really excited about and again his highlights are a whole lot of fun another player that the highlights are a whole lot of fun my favorite player in this <laughs> draft saying it right now Leo Chanel uh, linebacker from Wisconsin uh, seeing Matt Matty Lane's reaction uh when he was the pick live when we were doing our live draft show was was special to watch and (laughs) um I haven't thrown out the comparison yet I want to see what you say about him because I I believe I heard you say this the other day but it reminds me of one of my favorite players in the draft years ago in the way that I think defenses could use these rush Sam linebackers um but as it relates to Leo Chanel and how he fits into this uh group right now. What are you expecting out of Leo Chanel?
2: Well, a guy that has a chance to contribute right away. I mean, we valued him as the 51st best player in this draft in the KCSN draft guide and being able to get the value um, of a player like him. You know, the positional value you can have some of the conversations about because maybe he's not a guy that's going to play. You know, he's not going to be on the field the entirety of the, of the game. You know, Nick Bolton's going to out snap him more than likely but you know, you're a guy, a guy that has a unique athletic profile that can play that Sam linebacker um, can hold up uh, reduce down if you want, and, and set a good edge. But it's just a physical player, you know, a really, really good blitzer. It's going to be a great run blitzer. Uh, it can be a, 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 any any kind of blitz you want to run him on. I think he's going to have a lot of success, um, and he's got the mentality to do it. Yeah. He's going to set tones at the line of scrimmage. He wants to set tones at the line of scrimmage. Very quick trigger um, in the run game. Quick to ID. You know, there's some issues in coverage, but the athletic profile intrigues you. You know, he's a guy that has the athleticism to recover. Yeah. And maybe he's not always going to ID things well uh, in the passing game, but he's going to have the athleticism to recover. In
1: fairness, and I, and I hear you guys say this, and I think sometimes people take it as you're being critical of a Sam linebacker in coverage. How many Sam linebackers in the NFL right now would you say that sh- coverage is a strength or an asset to a defense? Well,
2: if he could cover, he goes in round one. So, um, I mean, there's a that. handful? I mean, there's, yeah, there's just not a lot of guys that, I mean, if he's going to play a sandwich, I I mean, I think you could, you could move him around a little bit if he does develop as a coverage player too. And I think that's some of his ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's not a ton of guys like him with his kind of size period that one move the way he does and two cover the way, you know, that his ceiling is now, you know, as he drove, you kind of listen to him talking about his, his, uh, his, his post-draft presser. Like, I don't think the growth is done for him. You know The growth isn't done for him as a player, and I think he does want to become better in coverage. And if he does, boy, the Chiefs are going to look really, really smart here in a few years.
1: The thing that jumped out, and you see this on the film when you're watching any of his highlights, because his highlights are a whole lot of fun to watch, but I don't know what you call it, but just the closing speed. When he is within five yards of a ball carrier, his ability to close that gap and bring that guy down—obviously, um, you look at the physical specimen. I mean, mm-hmm. He's going to be one of the strongest guys on the field. Without knowing all of his, you know, bench reps and all these things, like he's a powerful player. And a lot he's, of times, you don't. He might be a
2: better athlete than Willie Gay, and that's saying something. It. In the death in
1: the death row, like the death the, row, the, the baby, death row, right, death row, on his arms. written down, uh, his arm. I don't know what game that was for. Is all the games?
2: I all the, I, the the linebackers at Wisconsin called themselves death row. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> I, I don't I I'm all here. He's for all it. I don't care if people make fun of it. All that matters is those three guys or those five guys, however many are in that room, believe in what they're doing. They are a unit. And you talk about the Chiefs linebacker unit right now with Willie Gay and with Nick Bolton and now Leo Chanel along with some of the other guys they've got in the mix and you're looking at the rest of that linebacker room you've got Jermaine Carter who they brought in Mm -hmm. from the Carolina Panthers who has some experience Elijah Lee who's got some experience as a K-Stater and a Blue Springs um, kid who grew up going to Chiefs games and then Shalit Calhoun and then Darius Harris who we've been talking about for years is still there and has a chance and so for Leo Chanel to enter that room again the thing that jumped out to me was whenever he's closing on a ball carrier his ability to then bring that guy down when he gets within five yards—it just stood out and it was special. And I don't know if that's a combination of being relentless and the athleticism, closing speed, whatever it is. He got a nose for the ball and a nose for making plays. And when you combine that with Brian Cook, who we just kind of in a physical kind of similar way, a Carl Loftus, um, and his ability to play through the echo of the whistle—that is three guys at each level of the Chiefs' defense now that are playing through the whistle, that are playing hard, and are known for being great tacklers.
2: Throw and McDuffie know to that too. Yeah, and I mean, McDuffie
1: on the outside. It's it it they changed the identity of the Chiefs defense mm-hmm. for the next decade, half decade at least. Um, based on these picks. And Leo Chanel, to me, is a big part of that. I think he's going to be an absolute fan favorite. I said that about Willie Gay when he was drafted because of the energy that he plays with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that as we see Willie Gay get more comfortable with his assignments and what he's doing and maybe not having to think he can react more. And it's a a transition for all of the guys when they get to the NFL. With so much mentally being put on them, the more comfortable that they get, the faster they play. You start to see that personality come out. And with the personalities they brought in and the physicality and all that, that is going to resonate at training camp, the the way that Steve Spagnolo and the defense gets after the offense at training camp, St. Joe is going to be a whole lot of fun to go up and watch this year.
2: The competition level at the linebacker position with Leo Chanel added as well. I mean, Willie Gay is going to get pushed even farther too. This is all good things for Chiefs Kingdom and yes, the identity of this team changes. You know, Steve Spagnolo, I think this is built in his image because teams you know, he wants teams, you know, he wants to earn the right to rush the passer. He wants his, his players to earn the right to rush the passer. This group helps that. This group helps, um, you know, be better on early downs against the run and then go from there. But I don't think that they're just run stoppers. Like I mean, Leo Chanel looks like he should just be a run stopper. But the athletic profile gives you some confidence he's going to be able to, to do more than just be an early base down guy.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: So here's the, the player comparison that I was thinking of, and it, it, I haven't heard this. I think I heard you mention it in, as far as a rush Sam, because whenever I hear rush Sam, I think Dante Hightower when he was drafted by the Patriots. Do you see, and I want to say impact in production, all of that kind of stuff, but just a guy that you can move around that necessarily doesn't mean he's going to be out in coverage. Dante Hightower isn't going to be out in coverage, but he can line up on the line of scrimmage, and it was described as Leo Chanel being the best blitzing linebacker in this draft. And so for a Sam who's as physical as he is that can get after the quarterback, we talked about that closing speed. If he's coming downhill on you and he's within a couple of yards, you're going down. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to bring you down. What What do you think about the Dante Hightower, Leo Chanel kind of usage comparison
2: I mean, there's some there's some comparisons there for sure and um, I mean I think just the density of both of those guys is something that really tells you you know, that, you know that, that that Leo Chanel can can definitely do some of the things that Dante Hightower is able to do at the line of scrimmage that's a problem for teams I think Dante Howard's obviously gotten a little bit bigger over time but I mean Leo Chanel's got an, he's got just such an explosive profile and he's got density to go with it that that's just really disruptive the way Dante Hightower can be at the line of scrimmage So I think some of those early down comparisons make a lot of sense I think he can I think he can recover better than Dante Hightower can I think Dante Hightower is a little bit longer than him But the recovery ability with the athletics athleticism You know, even if he's if he's guessing wrong, but he's guessing wrong fast Yeah, he can recover and I think that's something that that's pretty valuable too. talk about special teams as well like there's there's yeah. That raises his ceiling. If, he, if he's just a special teams player, you probably are getting the value out of him at 103 based on the kind of player density athleticism that he has.
1: All right, those are the first five draft picks. We're going through all 10 draft picks right here on this special Draft episode, draft recap episode. Again, I'm BJ Kissel with Kent Swanson from the Holiday Distillery up in Weston, Missouri. It's about 45 minutes north, what is it, northwest of Kansas City and Overland Park, uh, where we're at. But um, special place. We're enjoying some Ben Holiday bourbon. Comes out May 21st. It's been. Sitting up in the Rick houses for the last mm-hmm. seven years, waiting to be unleashed to Kansas City. So we appreciate everybody at Holiday Distillery for taking care of us up here. And uh, again, to recap the first five draft picks. All and I apologize for the language here. this is your warning. But when I see those five guys, especially Carl Loftus, Brian Cook, and Leo Chanel, I just picture. Um, you know, guys walking in and saying, we're here to fuck shit up. Like, I, we're they, just going to come in and start knocking guys around. And people talk about the Chiefs right now. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's high-flying, cute offense. Andy Reid being creative. <laughs> These guys are going to come in and be like, they can be as cute as they want. You can call whatever they want over here. But you're going to feel us every minute that we're out on this field. And you're going to feel us the next day, too. And I, I love it.
2: There's there's so many trends that and there's so many boxes being checked by all these guys. It's so fascinating. Cause I, I can't believe how the Chiefs were able to get young guys, most of them, most of them 21 right now, um, physical tone setters, sure tacklers, you know, strong explosive profiles, um, and and high football character, high effort, high intensity. Being able to check those three boxes with your first five picks the way that they were. I don't understand how all these guys fell so well to the Chiefs, but they did. And, uh, I mean, the mentality of this entire draft class, 1 through 10 – is is unbelievable yeah. it's it's a really it has the makings of a special group of players
1: and not just and it's special not just because of the success and the, the talent and all of that but just from an atmospheric standpoint <laughs> of being at arrowhead stadium on a game day mm-hmm. and knowing that arrowhead was built because of the defense like mm-hmm. arrowhead's mystique came from the early and it was Derek thomas it was neil smith it would that is where arrowhead mm-hmm. was born and for these guys to come in knowing the kind of energy givers the kind of plays that mm-hmm. they make and the physicality they come with, these are going to be players that Chiefs Kingdom absolutely loves, mm-hmm. not just watching on TV or from a distance, but when you're at Arrowhead and you're experiencing uh, that noise and that that energy, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's go into the, the second group. Um, the last five picks for the Chiefs in this draft. And the first one is a name that I didn't know a whole lot about. You guys were really excited about mm-hmm. from the beginning. And I actually saw a tweet from uh, Jim Nagy, the uh, director of the Senior Bowl, that said that the Chiefs' sixth pick in this draft, again, in the fourth round at number 133 overall, Josh Williams, cornerback out of Fayetteville State, mm-hmm. actually had the fastest clocked speed by Zebra Technologies, which are the sensors the players wear during the Senior Bowl, the fastest player on the field at the Senior Bowl was the Chiefs' fourth-round pick, Josh Williams.
2: Yeah, I mean his long speed on, on on his forty time wasn't too bad either. He was in the low four fives for a guy that's six three, uh, nearly two hundred pounds. Like this is a unique athletic physical profile. This is a guy that, um, you know, maybe maybe Trent McVuffy doesn't have the the you know the, the typical length of a Steve Spagnuolo corner. Uh, Joshua Williams is a guy that can replace the length physicality size of a Charvarius ward that just left in free agency for a big contract like this kind of fits more close to the profile that we've typically seen steve spagnolo employ and uh, boy this is a unique athlete with high high football character high character period getting to listen to him talk a little bit about himself and, and the kind of man he is already as a young kid boy uh there's a lot to get excited about with joshua williams out of Fayetteville State. Obviously, I you know I think he's a he's a he's a guy that requires a little bit of development, but I think getting it getting him at 135 is tremendous value. This is a guy that we've been talking about. We would have been happy with him in the third round. Uh, if you've listened to some of the stuff we've talked about with him uh in the last uh in the last uh you know couple months of draft coverage.
1: Yep. He's joining that room. We've talked about it uh, with that cornerback room with Trent McDuffie already, but joining Rashad Fenton. Again there's Josh Williams, Luke Barku and then Trent McDuffie, Deandre Baker, and then Jalen Watson, who we'll get to here in a minute. But, uh, Again, 6'3", 200 pounds, fastest player in pads at the Senior Bowl—the last opportunity that those guys had. Uh, you go to the Shrine Bowl, which is a week before; they go to the Senior Bowl, um, which is kind of overlapped a little bit this year. But it's the last opportunity those guys to have to put the pads on to play actual football in front of scouts. And for a player from a smaller school to go out and show in that moment that he can stand up, that the athleticism translates—it's uh, going to be huge for him. And he's going to be one of those players that's going to be fun to watch. And that you take a swing on a big talent. Talk about special teams, mm-hmm. all of that. A guy who's 6'3, 200 pounds, playing cornerback, uh, very much Steve Spagnolo-esque, but I know that those DB coaches are gonna have a lot of fun uh, with a talent that you can mold like a Josh Williams.
2: And and that's the right way to phrase it because you can't coach what he has. You can't coach the kind of mentality he has, but this is a coachable kid and a guy that should absorb all of all of the uh, all the wisdom he's about to get imparted onto him. And you you like, you know, you, you like betting on guys like that. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing if Josh Williams can, uh, can contribute in a real meaningful way sooner rather than later.
1: And let's move on to the next pick. Again, in the fifth round, I believe at number 145 overall uh, in Kentucky right tackle Darian Kennard. And talking about guys you're willing to bet on at this point, Anybody that Duke Manyweather from yep. Online Masterminds works with, I am willing to bet on. And Chiefs fans, if you if that name sounds familiar, it's because it's the same guy who trained Creed Humphrey, same guy who trained Trey Smith, worked with Mitch Schwartz in the past, and now he's got Darian Kennard. Basically the chief center, the right guard, and – Maybe the right tackle of the future. We don't know Lucas Niang with his injury. It's going to be a competition. Right tackle is a position that we low-key talked about being really important uh, for the Chiefs that not a lot of people were talking about if they could take a guy in the second or the third round. But the fact that they got a player like Darian Kennard in the fifth round that I believe gave up one sack in the SEC Last year, uh, absolutely crazy. What was your uh, initial thoughts on Darian Kennard and how he fits with his skill set and what the Chiefs are trying to do up front?
2: If you had taken Darian Kennard in the third round, I would have been thrilled. I would have been absolutely thrilled. I think this is another guy that, um, you know, I, I can't believe that the Chiefs were able to get this kind of value. He had a meniscus issue, um, and he didn't take surgery for it. Listen to him talk a little bit uh, after, after he was drafted. There's a meniscus uh, that he's just trying to let heal instead of electing for surgery. Um, but, I mean, Kennard, I think, you know, there's the debate about – I mean, we had him as an interior offensive lineman in the KCSN draft. guy. There's a little bit of debate about whether or not he's eventually going to have to kick inside. But Andy Reid's favorite guards are formal ta- former tackles anyway. And uh, But I think he's a guy that can hold up and compete at that right tackle spot immediately. And you're talking about a guy in the fifth round The Chiefs made a move up to make sure that they secured this guy. And he has the ability to contribute – to that right, or, to compete in that right tackle competition right off the bat. And, like, you shouldn't be talking about that in the fifth round like we are. But that's the truth. I mean, Austin Ryder had a very strong year. Um, Lucas Niang had his moments. Uh, but he's coming off a, a, an injury that's that's pretty significant. And, I mean, it's going to be difficult for him to recover uh, quickly enough to, to be, you know, uh, to, to compete. And if he does, good for him. That competition is going to bring a lot out of whoever winds up winning that right tackle job. And there's three guys now in the mix, I think, Darian Kennard included. I wouldn't be stunned He's the starting right tackle for the Chiefs by the end of uh, by the end of training camp.
1: And to have a guy like Andrew Wiley, who has yeah. a lot of experience, who's played multiple positions and having a chance to be around Andrew Wiley, he is exactly the kind of guy. And this is what's crazy about this world and, and getting a chance to know some of these guys. Is they're competing for jobs and, and the livelihood of supporting themselves and their mm-hmm. families. Uh, but a player like Andrew Wiley is going to do everything he can to help Darian Kennard mm-hmm. uh, become a better player, even if that means you know maybe he starts over him at some point or whatever that is. It is a very unique thing um, to get the right kind of guys in a locker room to understand how it all works, mm. and how much value that is. To you may help a guy become better and take a spot for you, but Andy Heck sees that. Mm. Eric Bieniemy, Matt Nagy now, uh, who's back in Kansas City, and then obviously Andy Reid, they see. Um, how these guys are as teammates. And for Darian Kennard to come in here and go into that room with the tackles that we're looking at right now, you've got Lucas Niang coming back from the patellar tendon injury, which I had a chance to talk with Aaron Borgman last week about that. And that's not an easy injury for big guys to come back from. It's not that they can't, but it's a really difficult one to come back for. In fact, that he was injured late in the season, that's going to be something to pay attention to. And where does uh, Darian Kennard start? You know, learning at training camp because he's not going to necessarily take reps all over the place right off the bat and there sounds like they're going to start him at right tackle mm-hmm. and you look at the right tackle depth chart you got lucas niang andrew wiley roderick johnson uh, as the three guys and then over on the left side uh for the chiefs offensive line now offensive line right now orlando brown obviously uh prince tega uh winoga winoga thank you uh and then jaron christian who they christian who they signed that's got a little bit of inexperience experience as well so um
2: good competition in that offensive line group that's that tackle there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting um swings on some talent there and jaron christian signing with the chiefs this offseason as well you know there's some unique guys there and they're going to try to develop who they can and and, and i think the competition is going to bring a lot of good things out of this group and, and adding a guy like uh darian canard to that to that mix man he,
1: if you had a chance to go on social media and see the video of Darian Kennard talking about after he was drafted, of just saying, I'm going to play so angry. Yeah. Of something to that effect. like He thought he should have been drafted
2: play- earlier, and I think he's right. He should have. Chiefs, I mean, hey, I mean, the NFL's loss is the Chiefs' gain, and we're going to be looking back, I think, laughing. Because I think, at you know, Darian Kennard, I know health is always a big thing with the most volatile sport in, in the world, but. I mean, I don't think Darian Kennard's failing. Darian Kennard will see his rookie contract through with the Chiefs, barring some injuries. Yeah, it uh,
1: it's, it's also going to be fun for those guys to get a chance to see Patrick Mahomes up close and personal <laughs> for the first time because watching him throw a football and run this offense the way that they do and you go out to practices as efficient as they are, the way that they run around, um, that's why they have rookie minicamp. Yeah. These guys are ready for OTAs because once they get to OTAs and all the veterans are there, uh, they don't want to slow down for these guys, and so it'll be fun to see those guys get an opportunity to see uh, some professionals and some of the best at what they do in the world up close, and that's where doesn't matter what position it is for Darian Kennard and all these guys, Josh Williams, Leo Chanel, Brian Cook, Sky Moore, George Galatis, Trent McDuffie, for those guys to be around Travis Kelsey and mm-hmm. to see the way that he goes about his business, the way that he approaches his craft. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They're coming into a system that is had a lot of success. Obviously, Andy Reid, one of the best coaches in NFL history. It's a great situation for them. Another guy that's a great situation for? Another cornerback hmm. that was added with the Chiefs' first pick in the seventh round, and that was Jalen Watson, the cornerback out of Washington State. Another player, as soon as his name was called. You guys were so excited uh, when it was called, not only because you knew the player, but because you were surprised that he was still there.
2: I bet he sticks. Uh, <laughs> we talked about him a lot. I mean, we, we've had a lot of conversations about him and Joshua Williams' as you know potential swings as early as day three, or uh, round three, I'm sorry. Uh, at the cornerback position, because that profile is unique. This is another long, athletic cornerback, similar to what you saw with Joshua Williams. The Chiefs have kind of taken some swings on some of these profiles in the you know the back end in day three of the NFL draft uh, to try to fit C Spagnuolo's scheme, and they're continuing to take numbers approaches. You know, take that numbers approach to try to add some you know some unique physical profiles that kind of fit how they prefer to play the game, uh, challenging with length outside pressing. Um, really making it difficult on receivers at the line of scrimmage and getting some help over the top with their safeties, really closing that kind of what they call the honey hole, um, you know, from that too high structure and and getting some length at the cornerback position, throwing numbers at the position. And I'm just so fascinated because like I would have been happy with Jalen Watson if if they had taken him where Joshua Williams was drafted. <laughs> Again, like I'm thrilled with the value that the Chiefs have got, and that's why I'm so excited. Is you know I think Jalen Watson's another guy that that can get into the mix and and you'll be surprised, you know, he might, he might stick as a seventh round pick to get that kind of value down there at seven, that kind of swing on that profile, that football character, um, that off field character and Jalen Watson special.
1: Yeah. And without knowing uh, how he's going to react Uh, to coming into an NFL environment, it's going to be the biggest difference for these guys. And it doesn't matter. And Coach Reed will tell these guys, once they show up, it doesn't matter where you were drafted. Mm -hmm. You come in here and you show that you can work and that you learn the defense and that you can be trusted to understand all the different schemes and the responsibilities and the the stuff that they throw at these guys. There's so much more mentally to Mm -hmm. the game of the way that it's played at this level, that it's a lot of times it's not necessarily the physical stuff Mm -hmm. that is the reason why a guy has success or doesn't, but that, first couple of days of rookie minicamp you see the rookies just this deer in the headlights look because they're getting so much mentally thrown at them and they're trying to process and spit it back out and and have that translate to the field and still play with the 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 looseness and the confidence that put him in this position to yeah. get this opportunity but for a guy like Jalen Watson to go to rookie minicamp and to go to the OTAs and to go then to training camp, his ability to retain that information and stand up in front of his teammates in those defensive back meetings rooms when he's quizzed on a question, to be able to answer those questions and be confident in what he's asking to do will be – The determining factor of whether or not he makes this team because from a physical standpoint for dave to use that guy on special teams long fast athletic cornerback it's exactly what you want in those the difference is going to be can he mentally understand the responsibilities as well as some veterans or some guys who've been in the league who may be and are right now further along mentally at that position so it's really a game of catch-up on the mental side at this point for a player like Jalen watson
2: how quickly can you get back to playing with freedom is always the big question for some of these guys, and it's it's all these rookies. You know, the guys are able to get you know get it picked up on the mental side um, and start playing again with the kind of freedom that they had at the collegiate level. That's going to be a big test for all these guys, and it's going to be a determining factor for some of these day three swings that the Chiefs have taken. But um, Jalen Watson, man, uh, he's a guy that he's going to have a long leash. I think you know I think he's a guy that's going to get a lot of opportunities to prove himself, and um, you know the Chiefs will try to stash him if they can't uh, because this is the kind of talent in uh, the kind of profile that is very much coveted by C Spagnolo and if if you can hold on and, and give him enough time and maybe he just picks it up immediately. but um, you know if you give him time to develop, this could be a guy that can contribute in a very substantial way at the cornerback position for this team and, and being able to do that you know at, at the back of the back of the draft phew. it's the craziest part of all this is we're talking
1: about the not, you could just take what you just said and think back, this is the eighth pick for the Chiefs in this draft and a guy in the seventh round that we're seventh. talking about in this kind of way. And and, and you could do this every year. You can, you can have the hope and you can convince yourself that the best version of every player that you and every team in the league is doing this. I just feel like with the amount of work that you guys put into this draft and is, is straightforward and honest as you guys have been over the years about some of the drafts in the past that you didn't like. And you were very upfront about that from the beginning. Um, and that for you to be this high on guys in the seventh round, and we're about to get to uh, probably your favorite pick on Saturday, <laughs> uh, which I can tell just by looking at you. You're excited to talk about the next one. But for Jalen Watson, uh, the cornerback out of Washington State, to have that high of praise, again, is the first pick for the Chiefs in the seventh round, the eighth pick overall in this draft. It, again, hitting on a guy like Jalen Watson, and for him three, four years from now to be somewhat of a contributor in some fat doesn't mean he has to be a starting defensive back, but just the fourth corner who's a very good special teams player, Again, that's going to be the difference of what makes this draft legendary in terms of the way that we're discussing it right now. And we don't use those terms lightly, but mm. let's move on to the ninth pick in this draft for the Chiefs again in the seventh round. And that is Rutgers running back Isaiah Pacheco. As soon as his name was called, you and Matty Lost your minds, and not just because we interviewed him at the senior bowl or excuse me, at the shrine bowl, and we'll get to that in a minute. But what was the reason you were so excited about bringing Isaiah Pacheco into the Chiefs running backs room?
2: Well, part of it is that exposure at, at the east west shrine bowl got us excited, and you know, there's more to him than what you maybe saw at Rutgers because he's, I mean, that Rutgers situation was a little tricky for him. Um, and and I think he, you know, he showed himself extremely well in Vegas at the shrine bowl. I, I, he had more juice than I thought he w- th- thought he did on tape, you know, and maybe it was some of the the poor blocking was a you know he was getting, but you know his ability to to get to the edge, burst down the sidelines, the athletic you know profile was a little bit better than I anticipated, and you saw that the, at the NFL Combine too when he ran sub four four forty, he's one of the fastest running backs at the NFL Combine, but you know, the football character is is off the off the charts too. Uh, you talked to some of the you know Owen, I talked to Owen Reese uh, who's in personnel with the East West Shrine Bowl, and he says you know he's talking about the, the Michigan game i think it was the Michigan game and they're getting beat bad and he's just out there competing in the fourth quarter like you know like like his life depends on it and you you sort the pass protection ability this is a guy that has the frame to be a good pass protector and the mentality to be a good pass protector you talk i mean you'll 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 you hear some of the interviews we have with him he loves to pass protect uh, yeah go
1: yeah let's just throw to that interview right now because again we'll, we'll give a little context afterwards but this is um Isaiah Pacheco, when Matty Lane had a chance to sit down with him out at the East-West Shrine Bowl in Las Vegas back in January, asking him what his favorite play from the previous season
2: was. Yes, you know, so uh, uh, Illinois' game, uh, it's fourth fourth and like five or six or so. We're going for it on the 20, I believe so, and um, it's a tie game, or we're down or so. Um, So uh, it's four down front, uh, running a six-man protection, uh, the quarterback the line gives me a four down front with their hands and you know the the point points are already set so i know i have the sam the cor- the strong safety in the corner um, so i'm looking inside out and kind of step up and set my feet and seeing the quarter the cat blitz come and i picked it up immediately and you know ran the guy through the ground and you know was able the quarterback is a freshman also he was they brought him in uh he came in early and he was able to complete the pass and you know, that was a, a great point of the game where the, the, the momentum switched.
1: So for a player to say his favorite play is a pass-blocking <laughs> Ray pass pro rep uh, tells you, I think, all, everything you need to know about Isaiah Pacheco and his football character. And
2: his ability to stick on the football field and on the team. I think that this is, these are positive indicators when you put everything together, the kind of football character, the kind of character he has, willingness, physicality, uh, in pass protection. You know, we're talking to Jeff. On day three of the draft, uh, Jeff Allen hanging out with us uh, at the Kingdom Bar and Grill. And, you know, he's saying, you know, the the, the guys that pass protect, you want to block harder for when they get the ball in the run game. And, you know, this is a this is a this is a this is a culture kind of guy. If you've got the, the kind of mentality, you, you hear him saying, uh, you know, he's ready to take a grown man's job. That was one of the quotes uh, of the entire weekend from any NFL team, let alone the Chiefs picks. He's ready to go out and take a grown man's job, and he's got the kind of mentality to do it, and he's got some physical talents that I think can really present themselves on the field, too. More juice than the Chiefs have at the running back position right now when you compare to Ronald Jones and Clyde Edwards' lair. He's got some long speed and some explosive playability there, too.
1: I think it's going to be a fun sub-storyline at training camp. Because training camp, there's 87,000 storylines that everybody's following, but the third running back, because Clyde edwards Lair is going to make the team. Like He's going to be in the mix. <laughs> he, Obviously, Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones <laughs> is going to be in the mix. But that third running back spot between Isaiah Pacheco and Derek Gore, who Derek Gore sh- showed some flashes when he mm-hmm. got an opportunity uh, to play a little bit. And we're not going to sit here and say that Isaiah Pacheco is going to be, you know, competing with Clyde and with Rojo right now uh, for that starting spot. But that third running back spot, who's going to earn that between him and Derek Gore, is going to be something that we talk about when we get, closer to training camp but we just you know kind of teased a little bit of that isaiah pacheco interview from the east west shrine bowl again in las vegas uh if you go to our youtube channel go on to youtube search kc sports network and you could find not just that the rest of that interview but all of our draft content and all of our other shows there's a ton of stuff there but really enjoyed that interview with isaiah pacheco and going through and just hearing the way that he talks about the game and i love what you said about football character and i used to this was one of the questions I used to ask, you know, Brett Veach and before that was John Dorsey was how do you figure out the difference between a guy who loves football and a lot, a guy who loves the fact that he's really good at football and what that does for him. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot of people, especially at college that have a lot of success in college because they're the man and they're really, really good. Doesn't necessarily mean they love the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that with this draft class, you have a lot of guys that just love the game. Andy Reed would be coaching football if he didn't get paid for it. He just mm-hmm. loves the game and that kind of be coaching high school football, yeah. whatever it is, trying to get to the highest level of what he does. But it's because he loves the sport. He loves what the what the sport, what the game does for him. And um, from an intrinsic kind of standpoint, and Isaiah Pacheco, when you watch that interview and you hear him talk about the game, he is one of those guys that, Loves the game of football and loves that he gets to go out there and play it. Not necessarily all the other stuff that comes along with
2: it. 100%. And I think, again, that raises his floor. And that raises the floor of this draft, too. You're talking about a seventh-round pick. And we're sitting here having all these discussions about a seventh-round pick that ran a sub 4 four forty. That shows immense ability as a pass protector. Um, that's a guy that you're probably going to find a role on special teams for. I mean and hitting on guys in the seventh round that are making the roster is a big deal I don't think people realize that all the time is when you're talking about some of these draft picks the reason we're so excited is because You know Isaiah Pacheco has some raw ability some real ability as a pass protector as a runner with some long speed But I think you're looking at guys that are continuing hitting 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 on draft picks this late in the draft These are the kind of guys you bet on at the end of the draft and so adding, you know, continuing to 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 raise the floor of this team, to raise the floor of this draft class is a massive, massive win. I don't know, you know, Brett Veach made comments about, hey, you know, there's a there's a thousand yard, there's gonna be a thousand yard rusher that's drafted in the seventh round this year. I don't know if it's gonna be Isaiah Pacheco, but he doesn't have to have a thousand yard you know season to be a, a, a huge win for this football team. And maybe he winds up being that guy, but just 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 having this kind of kid on your roster for the next four seasons is a ginormous win, and I think there's just so many ginormous wins in this draft class similar to him.
1: I'm going to say that Brett Veach was talking about Isaiah Pacheco when he <laughs> said that. He put it out there, and he's the one who put it on the kid. Why um, not? Good luck, Isaiah, yeah. uh, especially walking into that running back's room where Clyde and Ronald Jones are staring at him like, you're the 1,000-yard guy? <laughs> and he's like, I'm here to take your grown man
3: job. I'm, like, I'm, 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 I'm here I'm, to take a grown man's job. I
1: am here for all of that competition and all coming from a good place because, you know, Andy Reid and the enemy and all those guys yeah. will keep it all together uh, the way that they are supposed to. But let's get to the final pick, the 10th and final pick for the Chiefs from their twenty. 20- 2022 NFL draft class that was a safety out of Marshall uh, Nazi Johnson Uh, what now that we've had a little bit of time to to kind of digest this pick what is it that you like about um, the Chiefs final pick Nazi Johnson
2: he's probably the guy I knew the least about uh, heading into this this draft and uh, you know we got a chance to watch him a little bit more Uh, Yesterday and uh, I think the Chiefs I can't remember which Scout exactly might have been Pat Pat Spurduto. I'm not sure one of this One of the scouts was talking about his ability in the slot You know they were impressed with some of his coverage in the slot and you look at the athletic profile that he possesses This is another really good athletic profile that the Chiefs drafted at the bottom uh, of their draft guy that maybe can operate a little bit in the slot as a slot corner potentially uh, but has that safety ability as well so um i think that's what you're kind of looking for is that they're just continuing to take swings on guys in the back end uh, because they're trying to find some good value and betting on the athletic profile that nazi johnson has is not a bad thing especially since you kind of saw some ball skills you saw some ball production out of him a little bit at marshall Uh, i got to see him make a few plays on the football Um, and yeah a little bit of versatility too i think he has the long speed to you know, to hang maybe if you want to, you know, stick him single high, but he can he can you know go down into the slot and, and cover some some receivers as well from there. So, um, you know, I think it's a smart play. And again, hey, again, we're going to continue to hammer on it. Special teams value, yeah. I, uh, the the floor on some of these guys is raised, and that makes this entire draft class all that much more valuable. And I think this is a guy that could potentially earn a spot uh, as you know as a gunner on special teams in a lot of different ways. All these guys have a path to success, a path to making this roster, a path to being a cost-controlled asset for this football team for the next four years.
1: Yeah, And you could see, looking back now, we look at all ten picks as a whole, three on the offensive side with Sky Moore, Darian Kennard, and Isaiah Pacheco, but then seven defensive players, and of those seven, five of those are defensive backs. That's Trent McDuffie, Brian Cook, Josh Williams, Jalen Watson, and Nazi Johnson and that I like what you said about special teams. You add five defensive backs in this draft class, and then the other two who aren't would be George Karloftis and Leo Chanel, my favorite player in this draft. And so there was a mm-hmm. concerted effort to add a lot of young talent to the Chiefs' defensive backfield, and that, what, almost a half, um, a third of that <laughs> defensive back room right now are going to be players out of this draft class that are long, athletic, and have those athletic profiles that you say that uh, you've been talking about, not just over the last three days, but throughout months, this entire yeah. draft process, mm-hmm. that it's an area that was obviously important to the Chiefs to bring in some young talent, and they absolutely did that.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if I anticipated half of their draft class to be in the defensive backfield, um, but they got the right guys. They definitely got the right guys, in, in, in my opinion, and you know, I, I think you're going to see them um, you know, get some real production and some surprise production out of some of these guys. I think a couple of these players that they've drafted – uh, in the defensive backfield are going to outplay their draft slot because I, th- I, mean, I think they're better players in their draft slot Anyway, that's why we've been so excited about this draft This is I mean we are we are far from homers when it comes to our opinions on on what the chiefs have done in the draft in the past I mean we've disagreed with a lot of the picks There's not a lot of disagreement happening this year. They've got high football character um, Which is just obvious every time you put on the tape. They got unique physical profiles They've got you know a lot of unique different talents in areas of need too. Like I just I'm stunned at how well this this board has fallen for the Chiefs all all 3 days. It's impressive and it's a huge credit to that staff and to Brett Beach.
1: Big winners of the weekend obviously the Kansas City Chiefs. All of the metrics that are out there Warren Sharp put out his sharp analysis of, you know, this algorithm, a formula of <laughs> value and whatever it is and the Chiefs were in the top 3. Uh, of value gotten in this draft. So no doubt that the Chiefs got the right guys in this draft and the board felt to them in a very, very beautiful way. And Kent, to be honest, because you guys won't pat yourselves on the back too much, it is obvious that the right guys with KCSN and following all of their content i want to say our their content uh, throughout the nfl draft over the past few months starting back in january we were out there for the afc championship game we were not in kansas city we were out in vegas trying to do a live show from a bar out in vegas because you guys were so into the draft going back to the end of january you guys were already on it you knew these players we sat down we talked with a lot of these guys and like i said you've got that full interview with isaiah pacheco it was a whole <laughs> lot of fun to get that one but you guys absolutely crushed the content leading up to the draft and if you're listening to this podcast go back and listen we got about a 20-25 minute show on every one of the Chiefs draft picks on Thursday and Friday and a recap episode yesterday and you will hear these names and you will hear guys that they ended up drafting after the fact that they were talking about beforehand but from from a standpoint of KC Sports Network this has been a phenomenal uh stretch of days the most the most engagement all the numbers are absolutely through the roof we pat, surpassed a million downloads in year one we surpassed a million video views on youtube um, about 12 hours later um, <laughs> after hitting a million on the podcast downloads social media scott ward has been absolutely crushing it and so i just want to say thank you to you and Craigie and matt craig and maddie will listen to it after the fact but you guys absolutely crush the content and you're creating something very very unique for chiefs fans that can do what, 15 hours of live draft content (laughs) that was all centered around the Kansas City Chiefs, and we had a hell of a lot of fun doing
2: it. Labor of love, man, and it's been fun doing cool things with friends here at KC Sports Network, and uh, we love doing it, and we can't wait for next year. I mean, it, 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 the era's only pointing up, and we're not even a year into KC Sports Network. Can't wait to see what year two brings.
1: And it's because of people like Holiday Distillery and companies that are supporting what we're doing that make all of this possible. So, again, the Ben Holiday Bourbon has been aging the last seven years in the Rick House. Like I said, we've done this tour Me and you have done it three or four different Mm -hmm. times since coming up here. Uh, But if you have a chance to get away, especially on a spring day, they've got live music on the weekends um, up at the event center. It's just a really, really cool place and a beautiful place to come and hang out. Mm -hmm. And you've got, the Ben holiday bourbon coming out May 21st. So a special thank you to everyone at holiday distillery for taking care of us. And we appreciate everybody for listening to this episode. And I can tell you, if you listen to this one, it's going to be a few days without content. <laughs> We're getting the KCSN. Everybody's getting a few days. Tucker's going to the Bahamas. My wife and I are going on a trip. Everybody else is going to sleep for a few days. Cause these guys have absolutely crushed the content and we will be back Uh, at the end of the week with some more content. But uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for your support. And as Kent said, we are just getting started and the arrow is going up. We can't wait to add more things, do more cool stuff with our pals. Uh, And yeah, we appreciate your support and we'll see you next time.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?